It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 279th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to title this episode a chat with Falcons owner Arthur Blank. We discussed several things with the owner today. Uh, Matt Ryan, his outlook for the season, the exhibition season plan of not playing players and charging folks full price. Bought that up too. Uh, also discuss the Super Bowl, when the next bid might be, vaccinations at the stadium. And then uh, also, you know, his thoughts on Super Bowl 51 and if that made him more determined to bring a Super Bowl title to the city. We're just going to uh, let the owner, let you all have at it, and hear from Falcons owner, Arthur Blank. We'll stop about 11 minutes in. Exhale, and then go back for the final 10 minutes of the interview. Here is Falcons owner Arthur Blank. Was it uh, for you to have him doing this last period of transition, knowing that, you know, Matt was going to be here? Well, I mean, very, you know, very comfortable. I mean, I think, you know, Matt, um, you know, obviously with the fourth pick of the draft, you have, you know, there are a lot of options, and I think that, you know, I think that Coach Smith and Terry uh, Fontenot both um, had to assess where Matt was in his career or is in his career. And, you know, we understand that time does catch up with everybody. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you have a quarterback in our division who's 43, just won the Super Bowl. But Matt, you know, 36 is in, is in really good shape physically, emotionally. Uh, his performance hasn't dropped off. He's thrown for over 10,000 yards the last 10 years, or, or 4,000 4, yards mm-hmm. each the last 10 years, and uh, and feels good, and, you know, and uh, hopefully offensive line playing better. He's not going to get hit as often mm-hmm. uh, as he has in the last couple of years. Um, so I think we, you know, we felt good about going forward with him, and he feels very good about it. And I think, you know, we, you know hopefully, we'll, you know, and the other thing with Matt is that he has no history of getting injured. Mm-hmm. You know, well, I don't know oh, yeah. <laughs> said that. So, uh, you know, he's only missed a game and a half in mm-hmm. 13 years. Right. So, which is pretty remarkable, actually. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we feel really good about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How much longer do you think he could be a lead quarterback? He's got the three years on the contract. You know, yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, it's really hard to say. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that. You know, a lot of these quarterbacks, number one, the rules are different in the league now mm-hmm. than when he first came in, and he'd be the first to tell you that. Mm-hmm. You know, the quarterbacks are definitely much more protected now than they've ever been before. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing. You know, I mean, the league doesn't want to see, fans don't want to see these franchise quarterbacks go down because they know how important they are. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think the rules of, of engagement of the game itself are, are protecting the quarterbacks at a, at a much higher level than they have in the past. and. And Matt takes care of himself. He, you know, his body looks great. You look at him now compared to when in 2008 he was drafted. He, you know, he, he looks a little bit like a 
I'm gonna say a kid then, but I mean, it's amazing how just physically he's matured over the years. And, uh, and I think he's got, you know, he's got a great marriage. He's got two wonderful boys and he's got a healthy home and he goes to bed early, gets up early and, you know, does all the things he should do, takes care of his body um, and is a great leader on the field. Mm -hmm. uh, this exhibition season, a lot of the fans were, they don't know what to do because they didn't see the team. Well, what were your takeaways yeah, from I, mean, I, I, You know, I understand that. I remember um, when um, when Bobby Bethel was here, the, the first year uh, that I was in owner, I, mean, I, I said, Bobby, we're losing these preceding games. What the heck is wrong? He said, you know, can I tell you something? He said, I was in Washington 12 years. Four years we went to the Super Bowl. The three years we won the Super Bowl, three out of the four years we won the Super Bowl, he said, we didn't win one preseason game. Mm -hmm. He said, it's not for winning, you know, and I've really learned to understand that more fully in the last, you know, 20, mm -hmm. 20 odd years is, you know, it's a period of time that you have to evaluate, you know, players in a very condensed period of time. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, they're coming out of training camp, OTAs, training camp, and then into preseason. And, you know, you, you, uh, you, you are intact today when you have an expanded schedule, 17 regular season games, you know, plus postseason, you know, God willing, hopefully, uh, you know, it's a long haul business and you have to be prepared to play other players. So, you know, you want to build a roster that has people that may not start, but they contribute in a significant way. And over the course of the season, they're going to be asked to play. Mm -hmm. So you got to get them on the field. And it's, you know, Preseason is not the same as regular season in terms of the intensity, but it's certainly more intense than just, you know, a practice. Um, so I think that for the players, they have a chance to, you know, work against other players, other schemes, and, uh, and um, you know, and produce, you know, at a different level. So I, you know, but I do understand, you know, fans, you know, understand from their perspective. I also, you know, appreciate it. And I think the coach made it, clear to me, I think clearer than I, maybe every other coach that I've worked with has done is that, you know, he even would call plays that uh, he would anticipate would not work uh, because he was trying to see what kind of intensity, what kind of resilience that, particularly on running plays mm -hmm. or even on passing plays, mm -hmm. um, because he wanted to see how well our athletes could, could perform. Uh, when things were stacked against them, when the defense was really positioned to stop a certain play, mm -hmm. would they give up easy? Would they keep fighting? Would you know? Would certain players shine through and continue to excel? And uh, so I think that was, you know, that was a little different approach that I, uh, which I give the coach great credit for. Mm -hmm. He was thinking about not just well, can this play work when we get a first down or not on you know now, but I want to see against the stacked defense. Are these guys going to give up easily? Okay, I'm going to block, I'm going to get run over, etc. Or am I really you can extend it and try to figure out a way to make this play successful? Mm -hmm. Because you deal with that in the NFL. You know, okay. defense has changed the last minute, and oops, you know, suddenly you got to run a play, or you are running a play against the stack defense. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, did you want to see more of the team, you, or no? I'll give you an example uh -huh. on the passing side, uh -huh. and he mentioned it during his press, press conference, conference. Okay. You know, <laughs> on Sunday night. Uh, that, you know, there was some plays that he, that he, I mean, there were some pass plays that he called in for Josh Rosen mm -hmm. that ordinarily, and he said this Sunday night, and I understand because he explained it to us in the locker room before, but ordinarily they might be run plays, mm -hmm. but, he, he, but he wanted to see Josh throw the ball, mm -hmm. you know. So, I mean, 
you know, he's thinking the way he should be thinking. Is that, you know, how do I make the best decisions in preseason so I can come to the starting line with the strongest roster I can and one where I understand most clearly what the strength of each of the players are. Mm -hmm. Now, um, do you think going forward that um, the clubs can continue to charge full prices for the exhibition games um, when the you know, we're, we're well, players yeah. were not playing? Yeah, well, I think, well, I mean, the players playing, and I mean, actually, the starters, you know, and many of those players were, you know, playing their fannies off because they're playing for jobs. jobs uh -huh. So uh, it wasn't that the quality of the football wasn't, you know, wasn't good. It's just that it weren't the name names that you would typically see during the season. Um, so your question was, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, um, the exhibition games, they're, they're the full price. But we, we, we have a price for the season, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, there are certain games that people will pay a premium for, mm -hmm. and certain games they'll, you know, they'll discount or whatever they may be, or they use it as gifts or whatever. Or people who are really into the game, they want to see some of these rookies. They want to see, you know, the rookies play. They want to see some of the free agents play. They want to see how the team coming together they understand the lens the lens in which they're looking at those if the lens is only like as it would be during a regular season game win a loss that'd be one thing but if they go to a preseason game and they want to see you know good football mm -hmm. and they want to see you know the players that we we have on our roster now that are looking like they might contribute during the season mm -hmm. so real fans they have an interest in that you know uh, as well so Softball here. You drafted Kyle Pitts for your uh, for your fantasy team this but year. I, but I are yeah, you? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, I tend to be a very loyal person. But right. I mean, I think he's, you know, in a serious vein. I think he's, uh, you know, it's really interesting because I was the only person I had heard that compared him to Calvin Johnson. Mm -hmm. And on NBC the other night, they did that. Okay. I because I was trying to think. People would say, "Well, what does he like?" I said, "Well, he's, you know, frankly, he's built." More like Calvin Johnson mm -hmm. than any you know any tight end. He's got the height, he's got the weight, he's got the speed. They're within a, a tenth of a second of each other. I mean, you know, and he looks more like that. And in mm -hmm. fact, at Florida, half his you know half of his uh, snaps were way on the outside, a quarter on the inside as a slot, and then a quarter as a, you know traditional traditional tight end. So uh, I think he's going to be an excellent player in the National Football League. Mm -hmm. I think he. We'll learn the number four pick and the highest tight end ever drafted in the history of the league. You know, um, is he going to, going to go through a learning curve in the NFL? I'm sure he will. You know, I mean, every every player does, and uh, um, it's different in college. The level of competition is different. It's more consistently at a much higher level than you'd see necessarily every Saturday at college level. And uh, but you know, he's used to competing in a conference where there's no holds barred. I mean, he's He's competed against some very, very fine teams with, uh, you know, great athletes and obviously, you know, put up exceptional numbers. So I think that'll be the case in the NFL as well. <laughs> What's your outlook for the season, given that, you know, we kind of got the piecemeal offseason, new transition, yeah. new uh, yeah. folks in place? That's a fair question. I, if I knew the answer, I'd give it to you. Mm -hmm. And if I really what even knew you? how I, I mean, I, I, I think that, the coach and Terry have done an excellent job in putting together the team from the start of free agency mm -hmm. all the way through the draft picks and through the OTAs and through camp and through the preseason games. I think they've followed a plan. Um, I think um, the 
uh, the coaches, I think, make a difference too. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I don't want to pick out one, but you know, you look at someone like Dean Pease, who's got mm -hmm. an outstanding track record in playing as uh, a defensive player at the highest level and mm -hmm. competing in Super Bowls and winning mm -hmm. Super Bowls and what have you. But yeah, there's a number of other coaches that really have a great, great experience base. And so I think that. Um, you know, I'm optimistic that our team will be uh, competitive this year, hopefully very competitive this year, and we'll see where it takes us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as to a record, the record will be what the record will be. I, I don't know, but uh, I, I think we'll be, uh, I think we're going to have a very competitive team. Okay. And um, All right, let's take a break there. Uh, he thinks they're going to be competitive. He kind of started out, he wasn't really sure what his outlook was, but, you know, uh, then he got into it that he's optimistic, uh, cautiously optimistic. Uh, you know, lines got to block. You know, everything we've been talking about here, he sees the same thing. Uh, you know, if they don't block, it won't matter. Uh, you know, and that right now they got to be looking for some some help, even though the roster got cut down today. So yeah, Matt Ryan takeaways from the zero and three exhibition season, uh, kind of. Did he didn't uh, get him answer on what he want if he wanted to see more of the team? Can they keep charging full prices? Uh, you know what what's your outlook after zero and three season here? And then of course Kyle Pitts have to throw that in there because I know he used to always get um, Julio Jones on his draft team. So uh, next we're gonna get into you know why he went with the cold team builder approach again, GM coach. Uh, as opposed to a GM top-down coach. And he seems to like the head coach, strong head coach model in New England, Seattle, and um, uh, some one other team that he pointed out. We'll hear that. And then what was the deciding factor in putting, you know, how uh, he put Fontenot and Smith together? What, what, you know, what made him believe that those two gentlemen would click and lead this franchise on to, uh, you know, lead it on to the, into the future. And lastly, we talked about the Super Bowl. We discussed the Super Bowl. Uh, losing 51 made him more determined. But, you know, and so we, we he discusses that. Uh, the next bid for Atlanta for the Super Bowl. And then we talked about, you know, is there a vaccination problem as the NFL ramped up their NFL protocols today? Uh Shared with us that his son Max had COVID up in Tennessee, so let's uh, let's let Arthur uh, close out the rest of the interview, and then we'll uh, wrap it up here in the two hundredth and seventy ninth episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Here's the Atlanta Falcons owner Arthur Blank. To, uh, the searches, uh, what made you stick with the co team builder approach with the GM yeah. and the coach? Well, Putting Terry in. Yeah, uh, I understand the question. Together. So I, I, I think, you know, um, even in those situations, mm -hmm. like in New England or like in Kansas City mm -hmm. or like in Seattle, uh, in those extremes we have very strong head coaches mm -hmm. that tend to, you know, control the whole process. Even there, they they rely on... You know, New England had a gentleman who just went to Houston who was an outstanding, Houston. you know, personnel guy, Nick Casario. And then, you know, you've got John Schneider in Seattle that's an excellent talent evaluator. And so, I mean, I, even in those situations where it's structured, with the head coach 
you know, does everything, if you will, mm -hmm. has responsibility for everything. Mm -hmm. There's still a lot of collaboration. Now, throughout the rest of the NFL, you know, there's, there's you know, you always want to have that connection, regardless of whatever structure you put on paper. If you don't have, if you don't have the connection between personnel, general manager personnel, coach, head coach, and coaching staff, you're going to end up making some really bad decisions. Uh, if players are brought in a building that the coaches really don't want or don't have all the assets, the attributes that you think are important, and you know they they they, they won't coach them the same way. On the other hand, if they were committed to them, they feel like they were a good candidate, et cetera, et cetera, you know, they're going to work even harder to make sure they're real successful. So I think the collaboration builds, you know, not only accountability, but it builds a stronger emphasis on success. Okay, what was the, um, when you did those two uh, interviews, what made them, what Sit made down. you think they would click? That Terry and Arthur would click. It seems like they're clicking pretty good early on. Yeah, they are, but they didn't know each other. Right. Which I think was the source of your question. Mm -hmm. So they did not know each other before. Mm -hmm. um, when we did our final interview with, with Terry, uh, he was the first person we, we hired. Mm -hmm. um, we asked him, you know, because he, he knew what was going on in the coaching market as well. Mm -hmm. We told him he was going to be our general manager, etc. And at the same time, we asked them, "Have you, uh, you know, have you studied all these coaches that are out there, all the leading coaching candidates that are out there? And if so, you know, who would you like to consider? Who would you like us to make sure we consider?" Mm -hmm. And of course, I mean, Coach Smith was somebody who was very high on his list. And in fact, what impressed me is that I mean, we had, I mean, we didn't tell him we even we even know his name. I mean, we we didn't tell him anything. Mm -hmm. But he said, you know, I think he's going to be, you know, a very fine coach in the NFL. And so I've actually reached out to him mm -hmm. and I've spent time with him on the phone about, you know, how compatibility, how compatible would we be in terms of football system, how to build a roster, our view towards, you know, the whole game, et cetera. And, and that was before, you know, we actually had talked to Arthur, but he didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was very impressed with that, that, that Terry understood the importance of the relationship Whatever the titles are and all that kind of stuff, it doesn't really it makes a difference. Doesn't make a difference. What's most important is that they have a collaborative relationship. If you don't want general managers, personnel bringing players in the building that the coaches don't want and don't want to coach, I mean, you know, they they can't reject it, but they can because they you know they don't work as hard mm -hmm. with them. So if it's a commitment, whether it's a free agent or a college draft person mm -hmm. or a college free agent. Then you, you're going to get a higher level of commitment to make it work. Some so. kind of buy-in from yeah, exactly. everybody. Yeah. yeah, and then just in retrospect, um, does the Super Bowl Fifty-One odds in the rearview mirror a little <laughs> bit? Um, does that make you more determined to bring the Super Bowl to the city? Well, I don't make me more determined. I'm about to determine. Pretty determined to be as But but it does it does make you, I think probably more aware of how difficult it is even to get there mm -hmm. because you know you have to go through the whole season now mm -hmm. it's you know one more game then you have to win you know a series of games in postseason you and you know it's single game elimination so you know the ball's not round anything can happen on a Sunday or you know a Saturday or a Saturday night when you're playing postseason and so just to get in the Super Bowl I think is a, just a really really big deal and a big accomplishment so you know, we're going to have to work hard to get back there, and, and uh, we're all committed to doing that, and obviously to end up with a, a different result. But uh, it's a long journey. 
you know, I mean, it, I mean, I've, I was always a long distance runner, uh -huh. so I can relate to that. I right. mean, I can relate to what it takes to perform over a long distance, yeah. long period of time, one foot in front of the other, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, dealing with adversities along the way, which you'll have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fight through. So, and then I haven't found anything on uh, the next bid for the Super Bowl. I know we got World Cups coming. We're trying to get to that, right. but the in, World yeah, kind of went crazy here. And we, we, we definitely want to be, you know, back in the rotation. And I think the next game that's open is 28. I, I remember. Um, so we'll be, you know, putting our hat in the ring for that. But you know, the league. You know, the process has changed, you know, years ago. LA which was, Vegas. <laughs> yeah, well, it was it was really not even a healthy thing. And I told Roger, I said, look, you know, at one point some years ago, I mean every let's say there were four cities that were competing. Uh -huh. So each one would come to wherever the team meeting was and they would bring their mayor, often they'd bring their governor, they'd bring a state senator, they'd bring out and they'd all be, you know, put in these different rooms and then each you know, each club would be asked to come out and present to ownership, you know, why they thought that Atlanta would be the best place for Super Bowl, et cetera. And then they would go back and they'd wait another half a day and, you know, until the process was finished and the owners would vote. And three out of four were losers. Mm -hmm. And I said to Roger, I said, you know, our league, I mean, I said, we're not in the business of making people feel like losers. I said, we're, you know, these people are coming here, you know, whether it's Atlanta or anybody else coming here and they're getting lots of preparing, a lot of time getting in, involved in investment in the uh, presentation. and spend people coming here, time money here, expense coming here, and they sit all day and they wait for a vote, and then three out of four of them, or two out of three, or whatever the number is, they get they get told it's not good enough, you know. Mm -hmm. So they're sent home. So that's, you know, I said that's not in the best interest of the league, in the best interest of our cities, either franchises. So the process has changed now, and uh, uh, so, but they ask for who has an interest, and we've certainly expressed that. So. Okay, good, yeah. excellent. And then just lastly... I think uh, Atlanta did a great job. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. And the fact that everything is downtown, mm -hmm. everything's walkable, it's a magnificent stadium, still rated number one in the NFL for fan experience. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of reasons why, you know, we should be considered, um, but we'll see. And just lastly, um, with the variant going on, or yeah. uh, we yeah. worried about... Getting the stadiums back full and getting through the season. I mean, I didn't buy my ticket for London yet. Um, we care yeah. about the London game. Yeah. Or you have, you have. I have not. Yeah. Well, uh, I think the London game is going to happen. Okay. I mean, I, well, now I'll go yeah, by. Yeah, I think the London game is going to happen. And I, you know, we've had assurance in the league, and mm -hmm. but you know, listen, DL, you. In the last year and a half of mm -hmm. my life, your life has mm -hmm. been something that you and I okay, never mm -hmm. experienced a vision in our lifetime. So. Mm -hmm going on almost two years in, in January, mm -hmm. so, um, but, you know, we, you know, we have the, the vaccines available, all the science, all the medical advice, you know, tells us what to do, and, um, and hopefully more and more people are making that, are making that decision, and it uh, doesn't mean you won't get sick, like, you know, my son Max got, you know, he got, got vaccine twice, he's up at the University of Tennessee, he got COVID, but, mm -hmm. you know, he got the Delta variant, but he, you know, he was like, a cold for a couple of days. I mean, he mm -hmm. didn't feel well. It'll cough, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, he's not. He's not losing like weeks. He's not permanent damage to his body. His lungs are fine. He's not going to end up in the hospital. 
So, you know, I, I just continue to encourage people, not because I'm a doctor or a medical expert, but I listen to people who are, mm-hmm. and I follow the research and I read it, and, you know, I would just encourage people to try to protect themselves and their families mm-hmm. and, you know, people in their circle of life. Okay. All right. Well, hey, Arthur, I uh, appreciate our time together. Good, good to see you, Neil. Good, always, good to see you also. You. you always have good questions. I want uh, to thank, thank you. For you. You know, I mean, they give you the right of first question because you've been here forever. Fair, but, yeah. But usually your questions are good questions. So yeah, I try. I mean, I, to well, they don't bother, but, you know, thank and you, uh, you know, I think the coaches appreciate that too. Mm-hmm. When I ask some stupid, you know, mm-hmm. question. All right. There's Arthur Blank. He likes my questions. That's all right. I need to make sure that was on here for my bosses to hear that. So that was it. Uh, Arthur Blank discussing several topics here heading into the 2021 season. Uh, went over to his office today and sat down with him for a little while. Uh, yeah, we usually just talk football and some city stuff. Um, talked with him about uh, West Side uh, West Side Park. I, was, I went by there. I know his foundation gave a lot of money for that. But uh, Arthur Blank, outlook on the season. The one thing on that second half, um, you know, he talked about Seattle, Kansas City, and New England. Even with the head coach model, you um, have to collaborate with the GM. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people want the Green Bay Packer model with uh, Ryan Wolf, put one GM in, and then, you know, he brings the players in, the coach's coach. But then you have the coaches that wanted to buy the groceries. And, you know, and so now we're in this cove team builder thing uh whereas uh, you know they had a chance to break away from that and go with a straight gm but i think during mike smith's era it's probably what happened when mike smith uh, uh got fired was you know was the coordinators the allegedly didn't like the linebackers i think they went out and drafted four linebackers ended up cutting three of them because, uh, you know, they didn't think they could play. So, uh, you know, if the player, if the coaches are not bought into the scouting department, uh, then they uh, will work harder with the players is what Mr. Blank uh, uh, surmises and why he is doing it this way for the Atlanta Falcons. So I needed an answer for that, that, uh, you know, um, to, to, you know, see uh, why he went stay with the co-team builder approach. When he could have went to, you know, the old traditional GM, top-down GM coach uh, thing. But he thinks the way to go now is strong coach who um, and, and pair them together with a good GM so they're on the same page with the pick and other players. Well, with that, let's get on out of here. We got kind of a week zero here in the NFL. They'll get into action on the 12th. Uh, Arthur Blank talked to the media today, too. It's going to be a lot of movement. He said this is the initial roster, not the final one. Won't get set to next week. So you got all three quarterbacks there right now, Rosen, Franks, and uh, Matt Ryan. Trevor Simeon got cut by the Saints, so he could be a candidate coming here. Uh, I'm going to start looking for guards for um, that got cut, you know, that that might be uh, some that fit. And, uh, you know, maybe cornerbacks might be another area. Because T.J. Green's over there. He beat out Williamson. If they think they can upgrade the roster, they've said they're going to do it. So we'll be uh, keep our head on the swivel here over the next couple of days as the waiver wire goes. He's hopeful to have some of the practice squad players at practice on Wednesday. That's why I pushed the practice back to 1. They got a 12 o'clock deadline. Um, 
Jawan Green is coming back, allegedly. Emmanuel Ellerby, uh, Ryan Newzell, those were the definitive ones. I'm thinking Dwayne Johnson's a good candidate, too. Uh, Caleb Huntley's another good uh, candidate. We'll see how it goes. With that, let's get out of here from the 279th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast with your host, D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You can follow me on Twitter at D. Orlando AJC. You can go to our Facebook page, Atlanta Falcons News Now. Hope you all are subscribers and you got that uh, Falcons AJC hoodie. Take care and have a great rest of your week. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.